But I just want to talk a little bit about about baptism and what's required to be baptized and, and what we know baptism to be. And so I am going to kind of fly through a little. So forgive me if I just don't camp on things. What is required to be baptized? We see in the word that there are four things that are required to be baptized. Number one, repent. Acts chapter 2, 37 and 38 says this. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The first thing we see, repentance needs to take place. Number two, believe. Mark 16, 15 and 16 says this. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. This is huge. This is huge. This is what separates relationship from religion. We believe. What do we believe? That Jesus is real. That he has a plan for each one of our lives. That he's alive. That he's not in a tomb somewhere. That he is alive. That he conquered death in his life. And he conquered death in our lives. We got to believe. Number three, we respond to God with a clean conscience. 1 Peter 3.21 says this. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All we do and all we are is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love the way I reference what Paul says all the time. Paul wrote, hey, if he didn't raise from the dead, we're all a bunch of morons. And what we're doing is in vain. We're all a bunch of fools. <laughs> but the truth is, he lives. He rose from the grave. Peter is dismissing the notion that baptism is any sort of cleansing. That baptism is any sort of cleansing or removing of, of dirt or filth from our lives. So what does it mean to answer God with a clean conscience? What does that mean? That means that we humbly acknowledge our sin. That we're sinners in need of a Savior. That we confess our faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then, by an act of obedience, we're baptized. Having met the requirements, the believer is able to respond to God with a clean conscience. Number four, we become a disciple. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. The three, the three previous requirements, repent, believe, come to the Lord with a clean conscience, are summed up in this fourth requirement, becoming 
a disciple. The Lord doesn't want a bunch of robot drones, a bunch of mindless zombies who just do as they were told without thought or heart. To become a disciple means we we believe this and we live this. We tell people about the good news of Jesus. We're not ashamed. Hey, you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to have the answer. And we don't keep it to ourselves. We don't keep this light contained and hidden. We let it shine. The four things I named... I just want to throw this out there just kind of as a statement of what we believe. Is, is, is a baby capable of the four things I listed? Is a baby capable of repenting? Is a baby capable of believing? Is a baby capable of coming to the Lord in a clean conscience? Becoming a disciple? Is a baby capable of those things? Okay, no. So this is why we don't baptize babies. Because the word lays it out for us what's required to be baptized. This is why we don't baptize babies. Now, we dedicate babies. We dedicate babies. We got, we're going to have a couple baby dedications soon. We got one that was born recently and we got another one on the way. And when that happens, it's a dedication of the parents and us as a church you know, in agreement with that. But the parents saying, Lord, I dedicate this child to be raised in your ways. But there's a big difference there. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. So water baptism, you know, we talked about what's required of it. I want to talk just briefly about what water baptism is not. We look in the Bible and we see John's baptism and we see that John's baptism. So John baptized people in water. And John's baptism was one of repentance from sin, repentance and confessing of sins. But that is not what our Christian baptism is. We'll see in a minute very clearly that that's not what it is. Matthew three, thirteen through 17 gives us the example of the first Christian baptism. And the first Christian baptism we see, who do you think was baptized? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was the first person that experienced the Christian baptism as we know it. So here's what it says, uh, reading from the New King James. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying... I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me? If we can stop right there. See, I told you, John baptized people. It was a baptism of repentance and confession of sins, right? So when Jesus came to John, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's me that needs to be baptized by you, not you being baptized by me. Why? Because John's baptism was one of repentance, right? Was Jesus in need of repentance? Was Jesus in need of confession of sin? No, he wasn't. He was perfect. He had no sin. No sin was within him. He had no need of repentance. He had no need of confession. But he did have need of repentance or of uh, baptism. So let's continue reading. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And we had been, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove 
and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was baptized so that he might complete and fulfill all righteousness. And that's why we get baptized in water. It is an outward demonstration of an inward experience. It is. We have given our lives to the Lord. We've confessed Him as our Lord and Savior. We've repented of our sins and believed and come to Him with a clean conscience. And we've committed to be a disciple, to live this. And then, as an act of obedience to the Lord, we come so that His righteousness might be complete in our life. I just want to make one thing abundantly clear. If you give your life to the Lord and then you said, all right, I want to be baptized. And I'm like, sweet, there's a pond right across the street. And we walk, walk across the street, but you're not quite as fast as me because I'm really fast. And so I walk across the street and you get hit by a car and you die before you're baptized. It's tragic, yes. It's not my fault you were slow, but yes, it's a little tragic. <laughs> just so we're totally clear, you're in heaven. <laughs> Just so we're totally clear, you made heaven. You didn't miss out because you didn't get baptized. We're commanded to be baptized so that his righteousness might be complete. But just as Jesus turned to the criminal next to him and said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And he wasn't baptized, right? And Jesus said, a liar, right? And I'm talking really fast, right? That's right. We're doing good, though. We're doing good. Jesus was baptized that God's righteousness might be fulfilled in his life. And that's why we are baptized in water. There's an example of baptism that that I like, and it's like a door being opened and closed. When you go under that water, baptism, baptizo, it's that word, that Greek word is to be fully submerged in water and then lifted. And when you're under that water, it's representative of the burial of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ. In that state of being submerged by water, we identify ourselves with the death of Christ. Well, we don't leave you under the water, just like death did not contain Jesus Christ in that grave. And when you come up out of that water, It's representative of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're baptized so that His righteousness might be fulfilled in our lives. I promise you, it's not just a symbolic thing we're doing. When you come out of that water, you leave, a door is closed. A door is closed to your past, to your life, to the familiar. And you come up out of there, that door slams shut. The death left in the water. We celebrate the opportunity to make this profession, this public profession. Here in America, I mean, heck, there's a busy street and and we have this warm, really warm water. You're very fortunate, I want to add. It's very warm. Those of you who were baptized in the kiddie pool last time, it wasn't quite as warm. This is like a sauna. This is wonderful. But we can do it publicly and and no one's life is in jeopardy. There's other countries where they have baptisms in tubs because they need to do it privately. Because once they make that profession, 
they've realized that their life is in danger. It's a, it's a profession of their faith. We, we got it easy. Our God is good. He is real. We gave testimony tonight of the ways that He's real in our lives. The ways that we have real emotion or real failures or real difficulties. As a Christian, we are not guaranteed when we place our trust in Jesus, we're not guaranteed for a perfect life. Nowhere in the Word does it say that. But it says, this life we live, you do not walk it alone. You are never alone. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never turn my back on you. I will never forsake you. We all walk through difficult times. We all have difficulties. We all have tough times. Either we walk it alone or we walk it with Christ. We're going to have tough times. That passage in in Romans 8. All things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. All things. The hard things, the crappy things, the difficult things, the, the good things, the victorious things, all things. Last week, I preached on What's the opposite of having our focus on God? It's not having our focus on the devil. The opposite of having our focus on God is having the focus on self. When we look to Jesus, when we set our eyes on Him, we are complete. We are complete. I want you to know that baptism is not is not a cleansing. You know, First Peter made reference of that. It's not a cleansing. You know what is a cleansing? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. As He hung on that cross and He died for our sins, His blood cleansed us of our sin. It washed away our past, our sins, our failures. But you know what? It also made less important our ability to be perfect and to be great and to strive for greatness and perfection. It's about Him. His blood covers us and He has a better life for us than we could ever plan for ourselves.